Hello and welcome to episode 264 of the UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam. I'm sorry I'm a bit late this week, but rather than give you some rambling story that no one would believe in my lateness, like the government might do around a Christmas party, for example, let's just get straight on with today's story where we head to the East London, Essex border and Dagenham. Before we begin, if you've considered joining me at Patreon before but not got around to it, I know what it's like. For this month only, I am desperate. Sorry, this month only, I am offering signed copies of my book about Angus Sinclair, Gone Fishing, to new supporters who buy an annual package in December. Yep, that's right. This book could be in your hands by Christmas Day, so you can shut yourself away from all your relatives and be reading some great true crime. And talking of Patreon, before we start, as always, I'd like to thank all my supporters at Patreon but especially their new members of this club. That's Josh Durham and Sarah Blanklett. Thank you so much for your support. To join me there, it's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, dot com slash UK True Crime. Have you got any guests staying with you this Christmas? Or do they get in the way of watching true crime, wanting to watch strange things like Christmas films and popular TV? I know what you mean. They are super strange. But if they do rock up, Would you like some free wine to give to your guests? Or of course, even better, to drink yourself. Good news. I'd like to introduce you to Wine 52, a monthly wine discovery club. The wines are great. Trust me, my first order didn't last very long at all. And Wine 52 know this, so are able to give you your first case completely free. All you need to do is go to www.wine52.com slash truecrime and cover the postage costs of £5.95, and you'll get three bottles delivered right to your door. Wine 52 is a wine club with a difference. Instead of stocking thousands of wines from hundreds of producers, Wine 52 only selects the very best of the best. It means that they're experts. Search out the most exciting wine regions and top undiscovered winemakers in the world, and bring them to your door. So they do all the hard work to bring you amazing wine. Each month they send their members three wines, which you can customise to your taste by choosing from a case of white, red or a mixture. Also included is their magazine Galug, I love saying that, which brings you the story of the producers and insight about wine and travel from each region. After your free case you'll be part of the monthly wine club and there's no minimum commitment so you can just try it and see what you think, nothing to lose. If it's not for you, just pause or cancel at any time. So don't forget to head over to www.wine52.com slash truecrime to claim your free case today. Okay, so before we start, let's set some context for this story with our never copied guest of the month and year game. Why is it never copied? I wonder. Number one in the UK charts was Shape of You from Ed Sheeran. Top of the US charts with apologies for my pronunciation. No, that's not the song. Um, the song was Bad and Bougie by Migos featuring Illy Uzi Vert. And in Australia, Casey Chambers topped the album charts with Dragonfly. In the news this month, Black Sabbath played their last ever gig at their home city of Birmingham. Harrison Ford was involved in a near miss whilst flying his plane at John Wayne Airport in Orange County. And South African rugby legend, Juice van der Westhazen was taken by that most cruel of diseases, motor neuron disease, 
at just 45. Tara Palmer Tomkinson died too at the same age this month. In the UK, there was all the Brexit stuff going on, blah, 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 posturing, resignations, etc. And in the previous 12 months from this date, there were 709 murders across England and Wales. Pretty shocking, huh? Did you guess the month and year? It was February 2017. Dagenham, East London. Home of Ford and birthplace of performer Dudley Moore and England World Cup winning manager Alf Ramsey. One for you Scottish listeners. Were you aware that England won the World Cup in 66? Um. <laughs> in today's story, we focus on Castle Green Park, which is just north of the A13 as you go from Barking to Dagenham. An area I know very well as my first ever job was here on Ripple Road for those who know it. I recall some fun times in the ship and shovel. The green space of Castle Green Park is well used by the local community and is a place where people and families have fun. But on a cold February night in 2017, what happened at Castle Green Park was the stuff of our worst nightmares. It was about 9.50pm when passers-by found the body of the young woman in the park. It was immediately apparent that she'd been attacked and was seriously injured. They called 999 and the woman was rushed to hospital with life-threatening injuries. Tragically, it was very clear to medical staff that the injuries were so severe that this woman would never fully recover. And if we fast forward to today, December 2021, she remains in a persistent vegetative state due to the catastrophic brain injuries she received in the attack it's highly unlikely that she'll ever recover. It later transpired that the attacker had carried out the most vicious attack, stabbing the woman through the head with such force that it went through her skull and caused those terrible injuries. As she lay helpless on the ground, her assailant mutilated her genital area before leaving her for dead. They also robbed her, taking credit cards, a laptop, iPhone and driving licence. Detectives at the scene were soon able to identify the woman in question as 29-year-old Chinese national, Quing Quing Rao. There were no witnesses to what had taken place, so officers tried to quickly find as much as possible about her to see if this could provide a motive or lead them to the person who carried out the attack. An only child, she came to Britain from China in 2002 when she was barely able to speak English but within three years had gained five top A-levels and she studied maths at Imperial College before starting work in investment risk analysis for a city firm. It was a pretty good job and Quing Quing seemed to have a very promising career ahead of her. Her personal life seemed very stable too. At university she met her future husband, Ansgar Wenzel. They met in the first year started dating in the second and they'd been together for 10 years. He said of his wife that she was a wonderful, warm-hearted and happy girl, always friendly and happy to help anyone. He added, I would not miss a single day of the almost 10 years we have shared. On the evening of the attack, she'd been working late at her office by Liverpool Street in the City of London and she had a project deadline to hit. From here she'd enjoyed dinner with a work colleague 
before heading home east to Dagenham. Detectives were only too aware that these first few hours could be crucial, and they began a thorough forensic examination of the crime scene. This turned up no obvious clues, and no weapon that had been used in the attack, and although Queen Queen's bag was found in the park, there was no trace of her belongings. With the dreadful sexual elements of the attack, surely robbery could not have been the primary motive? Officers kept an open mind. But one thing they were very aware of was that this man, assuming it was a man, if he was capable of such extreme violence, would be capable of doing it again. So he had to be caught, and caught quickly, before there was another victim. One possibility they considered is that Queen Queen had been targeted and maybe followed on her journey home. Detectives were able to track her movements with CCTV from when she left her workplace, to the restaurant, her train journey, and then on her bus journey, which took her right to the entrance of Castle Green Park. But there was no evidence she'd been followed. But worryingly, this suggested that whoever had attacked her had been lying in wait inside the park. Horrifyingly, it seemed as though a sexually sadistic, violent man had been waiting in the park to attack a random victim. Detectives made appeals to the public, but nobody seemed to have seen anything. Their hunch was the attacker was local, so they continued their inquiries and searches around the vicinity of the park. This eventually resulted in the discovery of the casing of a mobile phone, which matched the description of the phone casing which had belonged to the victim. DNA analysis confirmed that this was the case. This was an absolutely vital clue as it had been found on a residential street close to the crime scene. Was this discarded by the attacker close to their home? It was just a short walk from this road to the park, but the street was still covered by CCTV. Of course it was. Everywhere we go, we're being watched, right? At this time, Queen Queen's missing possessions had yet to be found, and detectives believed that the attacker was likely to have dumped these. So specialist search teams were brought in to aid the investigation by searching all the drains close to where the mobile phone casing had been found. The investigation felt like it had some pace, it was picking up speed. And then there was a major breakthrough. Queen Queen's iPhone and credit cards were found in two drains next to each other in a road very close to where the mobile phone casing had been discovered. Surely they were now close to finding the attacker. CCTV covering the area of the drains was quickly examined and just after the time of the attack, it showed a man and a woman walking a dog towards the drains. And crucially, the man could be seen clearly dropping items into the drains. This had to be their man. From here, the man was quickly identified as 26-year-old local man Gary Peacham who'd been walking the dog with his girlfriend on the CCTV. He lived with his girlfriend and her family close to the scene of the attack, and the phone casing had been discarded on the most direct route between the two locations. It appeared that Peacham, although clearly highly dangerous, was no intelligent master criminal. In fact, the gardener's criminal background was depressingly predictable. He'd been convicted a number of times for violence against women, 
as well as having a record for knife crime and robbery. One past conviction was possessing an offensive weapon after he ran at people with a knife at a local swimming pool. Further analysis of the CCTV showed how just before he discarded Quinkling's belongings in a drain, Peachum and his girlfriend were seen chatting to the occupants of a car. These people were quickly traced as they were likely to be valuable witnesses. Barry Peachum was arrested and a search warrant was applied for and granted to search his home. Seemingly crucial evidence was recovered, including a pair of jeans which were muddy and torn at the knee. Detectives suspected he'd been wearing them at the time of the attack. Peachum's girlfriend and other members of her family who lived at the house told officers how on the night in question he'd arrived back home just minutes after the attack took place. When he'd got home he was limping, wearing muddy jeans, was out of breath and wearing gloves. His behaviour was particularly strange when he came home, as straight after getting changed, he asked that his girlfriend join him walking the dog. This was really unusual behaviour for him, as he never showed much interest in the pet at all, especially on taking him for a late night walk. Was this to try to establish an alibi? Maybe, but it was more complicated than this. As we've heard so often on this podcast, Peachum used the dog walk to return to the scene of the attack with his girlfriend. They got there soon after the discovery of Quinquing's body and as passers-by were waiting for the ambulance to arrive. Peachum walked past her prone body lying on the floor and the couple then left the park, but as they did so, he even waved down the ambulance as if he was just a concerned member of the public trying to help. Peachum's girlfriend told detectives that as well as the items he'd left in the drain, he also had a laptop with him on the dog walk. It transpired that the occupants of the car that they'd been seen talking to were petty criminals known to Peachum. The term friends is perhaps a little strong. And during the conversation witnessed by officers on CCTV, he tried to sell them the belongings he had taken during the attack. The people in the car weren't interested in buying the credit cards or the technology, so Peachum stomped off in a mood. And moments later, he really lost his temper and smashed up the laptop just before he put the other possessions down the drains. Peachum denied any involvement to detectives, although they found he had bragged to his friends, I stabbed her multiple times, days after the attack had taken place. Barry Peachum's trial took place at the Old Bailey in October 2017. In court, he pleaded not guilty to carrying out the attack. He explained he'd been in the park that night drinking alcohol and smoking cannabis, but he hadn't hurt anyone. He had in fact been riding as a passenger on a moped around the park, and when he'd fallen off he'd hurt his knee, ripped his jeans and made them muddy. But when pressed he couldn't tell the court any more about the friend with the moped he'd been with that evening. They were of course never traced. When asked about Quin Quing's possessions, he admitted finding a laptop in the park, which must have been hers, but he said he didn't see Quin Quing or any attacker. It must just have been unlucky timing, I guess. But he really stretched the bounds of credibility for even the most gullible of jurors, 
when he explained that Quing Quing's iPhone and credit cards were in fact forced on him by the driver of the car he had stopped to chat to. Moreover, he was the victim here. He'd been threatened with violence as the driver of the car said he would assault Peachum's girlfriend if he did not take the items. So he had no choice but to take them. It was clear, said Peachum, that the driver of the car must have been the person responsible for the attack. The jury, of course, did not believe him and Peachum was quickly found guilty of wounding with intent and robbery. He was found not guilty of attempted murder. His QC defending him said he could offer no real mitigation for Peachum. He explained he'd come from a tricky background riddled with drugs and domestic violence, saying, although he does have a very bad record, his last offence was in 2012 for attacking his then-girlfriend. Prior to that was the incident of robbery seven years ago, which he says that he was not involved in. And although he has been associated with knife crime, using it to threaten and point, he has never faced a wounding charge. On the 24th of November 2017, Peachum was sentenced to life imprisonment for this attack, along with 12 years in prison for the robbery, to run concurrently. The judge said, This was a brutal, sadistic and cowardly attack on a lone female making her way home from work. You were a predator and showed her no mercy. The violence you used went way beyond that necessary for a robbery. To her husband, she was a partner and a best friend. They had dreams and plans for their shared life together. She told Peachum, Your actions have destroyed her life and that of her family. As her mother describes it, a permanent shadow has been planted in my heart. Following the verdict, the lead police officer described Peachum as depraved and vile and one of the most dangerous men I've ever dealt with. On that night, he has effectively ended the life of a 30-year-old woman in the most brutal and vicious manner, stabbing her in the head, penetrating her brain. An outside court, Quinkring's husband said, On the night of the 13th of February this year, while on the way back from work, my wife of less than six months, my partner for ten years, my best friend, was brutally assaulted, robbed and stabbed several times, just a few metres from our home. Since then she's been in a coma from which she'll never wake up from. She was cruelly taken from me the day before Valentine's Day a few days before our 10-year anniversary, for nothing more than our handbag and its contents. He added that she was a wonderful, warm-hearted and happy girl, always friendly and happy to help anyone. And finally he said, I will always remember how she smiled and turned her head laughing in the morning of 13th of February when she left for work. The goodbye kiss is one I will always cherish. So what do you make of what we've heard today? Shocking story again, isn't it? Is there anything more terrifying than a sexually sadistic predator like Peachum hiding in a park waiting for a random victim to pass? I think not. We must, I think, take a moment to feel for the other victims in this case. What about Peachum's girlfriend who invited him to the home she shared with her family? How must she have felt after finding out just what her boyfriend was capable of doing? 
and she would of course always be asking herself whether there were signs. And then for her, of course, there'll always be the whispers wherever she goes. But our sympathies there pale into insignificance. Our thoughts and love are with the family and friends. Quing, quing. Another lovely person taken from those she loved for no reason. Another person with so much to offer and so much love to give, not given the opportunity to fulfil that potential after working so hard after coming to the UK from China. It really is heartbreaking. And as you listen to this podcast today, Peachum is in his cell, maybe, just maybe, pondering on his actions that February evening. Or probably not, but frankly, who cares? And as for Quinquing, who had the misfortune to cross Peachum's path on that terrible day, tragically, she continues to be cared for 24 hours a day in a specialist nursing home. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the UK True Crime Podcast. To discuss this story or any other aspect of UK True Crime, please head to the Facebook group. And to support the show and pick up the bonus episodes, hair care tips and other exclusive content, oh yeah, and a signed copy of my book if you purchase an annual subscription this month, please just head to patreon.com slash UKTrueCrime. So that's all for me this week. It's been quite a tough week for me personally, releasing the news of the closure of my book publishing company. So sad. And moving house. So great. But next week, I'll be on time bringing you another episode from your favourite and the 37th most popular true crime podcaster. That'll be on Tuesday, I promise. Back to Tuesday. So until that time, please do take it easy. And despite all the others, Boy, do I know all the others. It's always the others. Do stay classy. Cheerio for now.